listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast where experts share experiences and the latest thinking on mental health and psychology. Here's your host, Gabe Howard. Welcome to this week's episode of Inside Mental Health, formerly the Psych Central podcast. I'm your host, Gabe Howard, and I want to thank our sponsor, BetterHelp. You can save 10% and get a week free by visiting betterhelp.com slash psychcentral. Calling into the show today, we have Megumi Miki. Megumi is an author, speaker, and consultant in leadership, culture, diversity, and inclusion. She helps leaders and organizations unlock their hidden talents. She's also the author of Quietly Powerful, How Your Quiet Nature is Your Hidden Leadership Strength. Megumi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Gay. You know, I, I am an extrovert. I once took one of those personality tests and the administrator made me take the test again because I scored so high on the extrovert portion that they thought there was a mistake. All this to say, I know, all of this is to say, I don't understand introversion very well at all, but I do know that society believes that introverts don't make good leaders. But your research, your book, and your life disputes this in a very big way. What made you look into this subject? Are are you an introvert? I am. I'm not an extreme introvert. I didn't get to uh, take the test again like you did. (laughs) So I wasn't off the chart. But um, I am a little quieter. I'd say I'm more on the introvert side. I do like spending time on my own. Um, But the reason why I started it was because for me personally, I grew up as a quieter child. My parents are Japanese and I was brought up in Japan when I was younger. And I I was often called this name otonashi in Japanese, which means mild and meek and quiet. But it also actually means adult-like in literal terms. And so I never thought of it as a bad thing. I just grew up saying, well, I'm I'm just otonashi, I'm quiet. But as I grew up, went to school, I went to different schools in uh, three or four different countries and I found myself being quiet just to fit in and not not sort of stand out, which was helpful. But then as I went into my career, it became a bit of a challenge because people kept telling me to speak up more and so on. And I had to pretend to be a little different to what I usually am. So I had my challenges and I decided I needed to do something and as part of that, I started to research people who are naturally quieter and who have been successful. And these are the quietly powerful leaders that I spoke to for the book. And I found that they had incredible powers, if you like, or leadership strengths that happened to be of a quieter nature. And I thought, wow, that's actually useful to use these. And so I started experimenting with them as well and found that they are amazing leadership strengths that perhaps we're underutilizing and undervaluing. One of the things that I think is so fascinating is let's look at politics. We almost exclusively elect loud politicians. You know, they're they're loud, they're charismatic. And in fact, I remember we had a presidential candidate who ran a few years back. And, and one of the things that they said about them was a detriment is that they weren't very charismatic, as if being charismatic allows you to run a country or be good at anything. Why do you think people tie extroversion, charisma, the ability to draw a crowd and arguably loudness with a skill set to be a good leader? 
in a way we get sucked in <laughs> into the into the energy and I'm sure some of your listeners might have come across the awestruck effect where we see somebody who's charismatic and we, we are in awe. But unfortunately when we're in that state we don't think rationally necessarily. So we listen to these words that perhaps don't even make sense or don't have much substance and we go, wow. <laughs> and so we get sucked in. And uh, that's really unfortunate because, yes, yeah, sometimes we do end up listening to somebody thinking they're amazing, but actually there's not much substance. Now, in your book, Quietly Powerful, you talk about the leadership skills and how being quiet or introverted is actually an advantage. It's not just about introversion because there are people who are quieter for other reasons as well. And I know of extroverts who use quiet powers effectively also. In terms of the quietly powerful leaders, some of the things that I found were they use these quiet superpowers, such as listening, such as observing, letting our other people take the space and step into leadership. So they don't hoard the power or the leadership space, if you like. There's something really powerful about leaders who allow others to shine as well. What I found of these quietly powerful leaders, something that surprised me is that quite a number of them said that they never thought of themselves as leaders. The only reason why they jumped into a leadership position was more because they saw a way that they could contribute with their unique talents. And so they went in with a a greater purpose in mind as opposed to wanting the power or the control or the attention. And you can probably see that because uh, a lot of quieter people don't particularly like being the center of attention. And I find that very, very powerful. So I talk about in the book one of the attributes of a quietly powerful leader being purposeful. So they're not stepping into leadership positions willy-nilly. They step into it for a reason. But the other two attributes that I found which helps with this is that they are very comfortable in their own skin. So they don't tend to worry too much about their weaknesses. They just say that they surround themselves with people who can cover for their weaknesses and they share it and they ask for help and they're quite happy to be vulnerable in front of others uh, as needed. And that makes them very authentic and people are very drawn to that kind of approach. And the second thing as a result of that is that they are very present because they're not so concerned about how they might come across and they are very comfortable with themselves, they can be very present with other people. When you're sitting with somebody who is very present, I'm sure you've had this experience, Gabe, where you know that they're there for you, you can really feel that as opposed to somebody who's perhaps worried about other things or distracted, uh, you can really tell that they're present. And that builds great relationships that end up with trust as a leader. That's another powerful attribute that quietly powerful leaders seem to have. Those three, being comfortable, being present, and being purposeful, to me, really showed very strongly in those, those leaders that I interviewed. Are those qualities that you just mentioned missing from people who are extroverted or are they just more exacerbated in people who are introverted or am I just completely off the mark and these are just qualities that maybe are cultivated more by introverts, but anybody can learn them? 
anybody can learn them. But I think what's important is to start to value some of those quieter attributes. As I mentioned earlier, to me, it's not about introvert, extrovert necessarily, but introverts may have the opportunity to develop these a little bit further, more uh, naturally, if you like, because of their quieter nature. Also, extroverts, as I said, I know extroverts who are absolutely comfortable and present and purposeful and use some of those quieter skills like listening and observing and engaging with others to give them space. Some of my extrovert colleagues who do that, they say it takes them conscious effort to close their mouth, create space and so on, uh, while as uh, the quieter people may naturally do that more. Being quiet doesn't necessarily equate to quietly powerful. Quieter people can be disempowered because of their quieter nature. And I think that's where I wanted to distinguish in the book, where you can become quietly powerful, but if you just remain quiet and you're quiet for out of fear or out of lack of awareness or things like that, you can remain quietly disempowered. Can you explain the title of your book, Quietly Powerful? One of the reasons why I came up with Quietly Powerful is because If you really think about it, I'm sure you've come across people and leaders who may not say a lot, but when they do, everybody listens and they're very wise and they're very insightful. But I think we don't think of that because we have this image of power as being the dominant powering over. So what I'm starting to explore is a different kind of power rather than powering over, it's power with others. They are powerful within themselves. They don't necessarily have to show it on the outside, but they are so comfortable within themselves and feeling powerful within themselves that they're happy to share it and they're encouraging others to become more powerful in that way as well. More of our inner power. I tend to think that quiet and introversion are the same thing. Is that the case? Not necessarily, because there are louder introverts and there are quieter extroverts. (laughs) I think we do tend to use extroversion and introversion as the marker for being quiet or loud. I started the work thinking about introverts, but actually as I did the work, I discovered more. And what I discovered is that sometimes they are quietly disempowered, if you like, because they have high emotionality or high neuroticism. And so they may be quite social and they're quite chatty in a comfortable setting, but perhaps in a work setting, maybe they get anxious or there's some senior people in the room and they don't speak up. So that might be uh, a reason why they seem to be quieter or they feel a little disempowered. There's also uh, highly sensitive people who they can be extroverts, but they can go quiet sometimes because they're overloaded. The other thing is upbringing and conditioning, if you like. As I said, I have a Japanese background and there's some conditioning there that I've noticed. For example, um, don't brag. (laughs) You know, that's a big thing. You don't brag about yourself. You don't talk about the achievements and things like that. So self-promotion is a very difficult thing for me. I've had to overcome that at times to, to be able to share some of the messages that I have. There's also speaking up when there's a senior person in the room that can be challenging for some people with some upbringing because they've been taught not to speak when there's authority in the room or definitely not speak against authority. So there's conditioning. 
And then there's also the power dynamics where in a room full of people, there's always some kind of power dynamic where some people feel more powerful, other people don't. And it could be hierarchy, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. So the other side might feel a little bit disempowered. Or it might be that you have an idea that everybody else disagrees with or everybody else has a different view, then it becomes very difficult for that one person to bring in that voice. So I think there's lots and lots of other reasons for being quieter, particularly quietly disempowered. So I think we can't assume that somebody who's quiet is an introvert. We'll be right back after these messages. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I know managing my mental health and a busy recording schedule seemed impossible until I found BetterHelp Online Therapy. They can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in under 48 hours. Just visit betterhelp.com psychcentral to save 10% and get a week free. That's betterhelp.com slash psychcentral. Join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Hey everyone, my name is Rachel Star Withers and I live with schizophrenia. I'm also the host of Inside Schizophrenia, a podcast that dives deep into all things schizophrenia, featuring personal experiences and experts to help you better understand and navigate schizophrenia. Inside Schizophrenia is a Psych Central and Healthline Media podcast and we're available right now on your favorite podcast player. Check us out. And we're back with Megumi Miki discussing her book, Quietly Powerful, How Your Quiet Nature is Your Hidden Leadership Strength. You know, again, I'm I'm the loud extroverted guy. I, I really do enjoy being the center of attention. I, I want to confess that that's absolutely true. But I like to think that I have substance. I like to think that I bring something to the table and I really, really work hard not to overpower anybody. Do you think that one of the reasons that introverts get a bad rap or that quiet people get a bad rap is because people like me, extroverts, don't want to take responsibility for sucking all of the air out of the room by not shutting up. So we just blame introverts and then move on. I didn't specifically research extroverts, so I can't say I've I've uncovered that in a very clear way. But I do remember (laughs) one of the leaders that I interviewed He was a military leader. He was um, an ex-rear admiral at the Australian Navy. And so you'd think that that'd be quite a dominant kind of character, but he wasn't. And so he was an amazing, quietly powerful leader. And somebody asked a question to him about, so what what would you say to the extroverts, the people who are louder? And his answer was just uh, zip it and shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So... (laughs) Uh, and so I think there's um, some of the leaders would say that perhaps if the louder people could listen a little bit better, that would make for a better conversation and better meetings and so on, so that more people can have the space to contribute. But there are plenty of extroverts who do, and I have lots of colleagues and friends who do as well. So I'm not definitely not blanket statement saying that extroverts need to shut up and listen. I I do appreciate you being honest uh, about both sides and and being kind. I know that I did realize as the extrovert on the show, I thought that people weren't speaking 
because they just didn't want to, because I, I think of my own personality and I'm willing to jump in. I'm, I'm willing to talk over people. I, I come from a very loud family where if you don't just start talking, you're never going to get a turn. And I just assumed that everybody else was that way as well. So I was, I was glad to learn that other people wait for an opportunity. They wait for an opening because that gave me an opportunity to create that opening. And I often wonder if my fellow extroverts are assuming that people are quiet by choice rather than us extroverts just won't, as you said, zip it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Um, but I think it, it varies too. Sometimes people do stay quiet by choice and other times people have something to say they just can't get in. So there's a bit of a range in terms of why people might be quiet. And, and I think the key thing is what you said, not assume. Now, you interviewed real leaders for the book, real quietly powerful leaders. And my first question is, how did you find them? I mean, if they're not bombastic, if they're not, you know, standing around yelling that they're out there, aren't they kind of hidden? And again, I, I'm seeing things very much from the perspective of an extrovert. And all I can think of is if somebody's not speaking, how do you know they're there? So they may not speak a lot, but when it matters, they do. I think that's the difference. And of course, when they're senior leaders, they do have to speak in public. And so you do see them. But I think the hidden part of it is that sometimes people don't even realize that they're naturally quiet. So how I found them, one is that I knew a few of them. And, and of course, me being a naturally quiet person, I spot them a bit more probably. So I knew a few of them and they were successful CIOs, CEOs, and I thought I would just tap them on the shoulder and if they would be happy to talk to me, they would. From there, I asked them, do you know anybody else who's a bit like that? And they introduced me to a few people and it's been amazing to meet them. Were there any surprises during your interviews or did everything pretty much go as you thought it would? I think the surprises were some of these leaders saying, I don't know if I really thought of myself as a leader. I never really thought of going into leadership positions. So that was a, a bit of a surprise because I thought even though they're quiet, I thought they might be a little bit more ambitious, but not all of them were. A few of them, when I interviewed them, they were openly sharing how uncomfortable they were about talking about themselves. <laughs> so I, I had the image of senior leaders not being as open and vulnerable when recorded, but some of them were quite happy to do so. To me, that showed that they were comfortable being uncomfortable and openly so. So that was a surprise and a pleasant surprise. We've talked about quietly powerful leaders. Let's transition over to people who are quiet that want to become leaders. What advice do you have for the introverts, the quiet people, the people who feel that they don't fit the stereotypical leadership mold, but want to be leaders? There is this societal message that says, if you're quiet, you're not leader-like, but that's a societal voice. And we have to be able to reframe that so that we can see that quieter attributes can be powerful. So firstly, understand yourself fully so that you know what you're working with but then start to reframe. And, and I often share with people how you can reframe some of what you think are weaknesses. Sometimes they can be strengths, the nature of quiet being one of them. I even share some of my other reframes that I've done for myself. Like I mentioned to you earlier that I have a Japanese background and I've got an Australian accent. 
Um, so I've lived in Australia for a long time, but as a child, I was in Japan, and so I, I lack a bit of vocabulary, and I always thought oh, I'm never going to be a great communicator or a writer. Never thought I'd even write a book or anything like that. But after a little while of speaking and writing, people said to me, Megumi, you really write and speak clearly. And I thought, gosh, that's because I don't have vocabulary. I don't use very difficult words because I don't know them. I'd share that to people and say, you can see lack of vocabulary is a weakness, but you could reframe it and use it to your advantage and as a strength. So I share with people about how you can reframe. Also, I talk to people about how you can deal with some of those inner critics and inner voices that hold you back. Often quieter people have a lot going on in their heads. And so I help people to work with that rather than trying to ignore it or squash it because they tend to drive your behavior. So that's the appreciating oneself a bit more. And the second part is to adapt purposefully. Quietly powerful leaders do public speaking, for example. So it's not like you can't. It's a skill that you can develop. And they do that because they know as a senior leader, they do need to connect with people in a big group. And so they have to do public speaking. So they do it for a purpose. And so they have adapted purposefully. So I encourage people to find skills and skills that they can develop for a purpose and learn it in a way that works for them so that they can really flourish in a way that they still feel authentic. Now, let's transition a little further and talk about the people who hire leaders, hiring managers, boards, other leaders. They tend to look for people who are like them. And this space is dominated by the extrovert. It's it's dominated by the the unquiet, for lack of a better word. What message do you have for them so that they understand that quietly powerful people are a real asset to their companies, their communities, and and their organizations? Um, my advice to organizations is really to look for these quietly powerful leaders rather than allowing them to pop up because they often don't necessarily self-promote as much as some of the more non-quiet people, as you call it, uh, do. So you may have to look for them. But also that when you are interviewing them, not necessarily look for the style only, look for the substance. So you might have to ask a few more questions to really get to the substance of what they're about. And then you really find the gold. I think there's a little bit extra work to do. But remember this whole cognitive bias that we have that, as we talked about earlier, this awestruck effect that you might be sucked into some of those people who perhaps have the gift of the gab uh, or maybe come across as charismatic. So remember that appearing confident doesn't always equal really confident or competent for that matter. Perhaps you might have come across uh, Dr. Thomas Chandler Premizik's work where he talks about uh, why so many incompetent men become leaders. That's his book. He talks about this tendency to look for the confident leader, but that's not necessarily the competent leader. It's prudent for organizations to be a little bit more cautious of that and look for the substance. I could not agree more. I've really learned in the last five years of doing this program that I know so little I started the podcast because I knew so much about mental health and psychology and I wanted to get it out into the world. And after a year, I realized, yeah, I haven't even scratched the surface. 
I should not be surprised to learn that gregarious people are not the only people who can be leaders, but I want to be frank and honest with you. I really saw introversion as a detriment, and I believe that most of society does as well. Is there a reason for that? Because it's clearly not the case. One just needs to look around a little bit to prove that false. But this myth of the introvert not being a good leader persists. Yeah, so I think it's back to this: um, some of our biases and how we can get sucked in. I think we can start to shift that, though, if we start to pay attention a little bit more. And and possibly because we have a attention deficit, if you like, maybe that's also contributing to it as well, that you only notice the the, the louder voices because our brains are so hardwired to shortcut. So if we spent a little bit more time and space to really look, and I think organisations really will benefit from that, to look for those with substance. And, and of course, there are louder people with substance. I'm not saying that they don't, but there are people who perhaps aren't in your face and still have a great deal to contribute. Megumi, thank you so much. I, I have learned an incredible amount, and I know there's a lot more to learn. I wish the show was longer. Now, your book, Quietly Powerful, How Your Quiet Nature is Your Hidden Leadership Strength. Where can folks find you and your book? So I do have a website called quietlypowerful.com.au. So I am based in Australia. So it's a AU uh, website and the book link is in there as well. So there's a whole bunch of other things that I've posted, including some of the short clips of the Quietly Powerful Leader interviews. I really love sharing that because these Quietly Powerful Leaders don't tend to self-promote as, as you would expect. I really want to showcase them and say, see, these people do exist and they're incredibly powerful and amazing leaders. Well, awesome. Everybody, please check that out at quietlypowerful.com.au. Don't forget the .au. That's it. And uh, by the way, you do create the space. (laughs) (laughs) I noticed that I'd I'd answer and then you are silent for a little while before you speak. You don't interrupt. You know, I, I, uh, it is sincere. Again, I, I'm a very loud guy. I'm, I'm a very uh, big guy as well. I'm six foot three, so that even makes it worse. <laughs> uh, and my family is, uh, we're just a very loud family. And <laughs> for a while, when I got out in the real world, I assumed that the reason people weren't talking is simply because they didn't want to. And I was very embarrassed when I learned that people were like, well, you can't get a word in edgewise around Gabe. And I thought to myself, well, that's not true. Like at first I was like, well, that's your fault for not speaking up. But the reality is, is it can be two things, right? It can, it can be their fault for not speaking up and it can be my fault for not shutting up and working together. I really feel like I've learned a lot more and made people more comfortable. Yeah. Great. No, that's great. Cause I, I think it's um, responsibility on both sides. <laughs> as you say. I could not agree more. Thank you so much, Megumi. We really appreciate you. And we appreciate all of our listeners. We literally couldn't do this show without you. So you can help me out in a very profound way by subscribing to this podcast wherever you downloaded it, share us on social media, or write us a review using words so other people know why they should listen. 
My name is Gabe Howard, and I'm the author of Mental Illness as an Asshole and Other Observations. I'm also a nationally recognized public speaker. Wouldn't it be really cool to have me or a live podcast recording at your next event? You can grab a signed copy of my book with free swag or learn more about me over at GabeHoward.com. I will see everybody next Thursday. You've been listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast from Healthline Media. Have a topic or guest suggestion? Email us at show at psychcentral.com. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show or on your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening.